Welcome to Driven Radio Show, your home for car talk covering the latest news to the greatest views on the biggest names in performance, sports, and just plain cool driving machines. Your hosts are freelance auto journalist, senior auction analyst for Sports Car Market Magazine, writer and editor of ReadTheDriven.com, Brett Hatfield, plus videographer and host of the YouTube channel Craving Cars, Corey Pratt, and 35-year radio veteran, book publisher, and vehicular village idiot, Mark Catfish Groves. Let's rev up the conversation time for driven radio show hey car fans welcome to driven radio your weekly automotive happy hour i am brett hatfield here with our engineer and co-host mr mark groves yo and mr Corey pratt of craving cars on youtube hey we are coming to you from driven radio studios in beautiful overland park kansas starting to get a little warm today it was started to get a little good warm. bike weather That's yeah good. uh nice if you're in a corvette with a top down no doubt indeed not. Not too shabby. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at Driven Radio Show. And listen everywhere fine podcasts are heard. If you like what you're hearing and from the compliments we've been getting, some of you do. Thank you. Leave us a positive Ooh. review on your favorite podcast platform and be sure to tell all your gearhead friends. If there's something you would like to hear more of or if you have an interesting story, for the love of God, tell us. <laughs> we want to hear your story. I do. Send your emails to brett at drivenradioshow.com. All right, guys. I think all of us have something that is running this week. <laughs> Corey, oh, yeah, what did yeah. you do with cars? You do anything? Uh, I, I did. I put another another car rally in the. Do, uh, do I have to remind you this, this is an audio forum? Yeah, he was pointing at, at his t-shirt. t-shirt. <laughs> uh, I, I am, but it wasn't to you know it wasn't to show them. It was to show you. I, anyway. I, I can read. It says Redline Rallies. It does. Uh, they had their second rally for the year. Uh, they're, where, they're, they're doing three this year. The other was not until October. So where we did you went? Uh, this one was through Missouri, so it, it took off to down kind of not quite Ozark area, but up to Columbia. And the next day, it left Columbia to Herman, Missouri, and oh. then to St. Louis, and then the next day from St. Louis through like Osage Beach area, and then back to Kansas City. I so. am familiar with Osage Beach area. Yeah, yeah. Was um, that Highway Fifty fun. down through there? Sure. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. There wasn't probably many actual major roads. Did we you go through Cold Camp? We're both happy you it, were paying it, attention. It was all about the uh, oh. Um, those roads have curves. Those are the ones we want. Done. Great it, motocross area it, outside Cole Camp. Yeah. yeah it's um, a beautiful area. Redline Rallies is a very spirited rally. Yes. So it's not a typical let's go cruise down the highway rally. It's a let's get off this path and go somewhere where no one's at and have some fun. Nice. And very. so it's, it's, it's a lot of that. It was a, it's a, they've been doing a great thing. We should probably get them on the show someday. How many miles did you cover? Ooh. I did, I, you know what? 300, 400? No, probably closer to five or 600. Wow. Wow. That's so, pretty healthy. So and that was, um, I'm, I might be lowballing that a little bit just because of, there was a lot of paths. If you were to just to take the, the paths we went, uh, I couldn't even probably guess the hours it would have taken to drive them normally. Uh-huh. <laughs> but did, with the abbreviated have, version, have you put new shoes on that little scooter of yours? I did not. Uh, uh, last I yet. saw, you looked like you were close it, to do. This was the last thing I was going to do before I was trying to get through this particular event before actually doing that. Well, knowing and, how you uh, drive that car, I, I would want some new rubber <laughs> on her. It, it actually surprisingly did, did 
extremely well. The weather was great. It didn't rain on us. Um, That's helpful. It was, it was awesome. And we even got to do a little extra thing, uh, the racetrack, the wild, uh, Worldwide Technology Raceway out in the St. Louis area. So okay. the big racetrack out there mm-hmm. had NASCAR going on. Oh, really? We got to go into the track. Very what? cool. Yeah. So we were in the middle of the track. We met up with another group, uh, kind of an exotic group of, of cars out in St. Louis uh, called Need for Speed. And afterwards, as soon as it filled up, we literally got to take all of our cars. We're on the track. Pretty and then cool, we lined man. up in the pits and had like a car show. And we were on their NASCAR TV. Now, did you get to at least do a lap, like a not, spirited not, lap? No, no. Oh, no, not so much. Oh, it doesn't mean we weren't spirited in parts, we're but not like the a race full. race with 47 pace cars. Yeah, but not, yeah. But, but not like a full out, you know, big thing. Uh, uh, okay. Thing. But I, it was I was cool, like, though. how cool would it be to feel what it's like to really, you know, catch some Gs on those curves? It, those it are, would have been really cool. It's, it, they, it's not near as banked track as like... Uh, Texas Motor Speedway because I've okay. been on there with my car before, yeah. and we got to do 120, 30 mile an hour on that one, and and just feeling that like you're here all of a sudden, and you can't see me with the radio, but this is me going at a very big <laughs> angle, like like well like, done, well like, done. Like, it's like a 45 degree angle kind of thing. Where He's like, leaning well, this to is the wicked. left. Yeah, well, it's a it's a NASCAR yep. track, so it only, it only goes <laughs> all you left. do is turn left. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's it. But uh, uh, like uh, once again, another really really fun rally put on. Um, by Redline Rallies, and if you want to see any of the activities from that, yeah, you, you can got check up. out Redline Rally uh, on their Facebook, other social media, and even their website. Which oh we yeah, can sure, have the you links betcha. And stuff. When's it going to be? Lots of cool videos. Cars. There's already there's already a bunch of videos from that event already out. Sweet, so sweet. Uh, as far as for Craving Cars, there will be something to be put on Craving Cars from the last couple rallies. This is not out yet on that one. Got right. it. Cool. So, you sir. Ah, uh, I've uh, I it, visited you. What? I was last right, night. Last night. Uh, stopped by because um, beef finally got beef back. My uh, 2004 uh, Suzuki Marauder VZ 1600. That's that's had quite a bit done it's, to it. It's had well, it's had a lot of looking into. The proctologist mm-hmm. has gone in and said, "No, nah, huh, Doctor Jellyfinger." Right. Yeah, <laughs> it's, uh, it it appears that the uh, when it was just shutting down, driving along and <laughs> but I could still start it right. Yeah. So I took it to uh, Blue Star Motorcycles, and they went through it, and it was very cost-effective, by the way. Thank you, guys. Thank you so much. Um, and to be honest, they you know they checked it. Oil's great. This is great. That's great. Blah, 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 great. Took it out for a test drive. Said your front tire's a little... Yeah, it but, is. Uh, yeah, it is. <laughs> I'm getting that replaced next week. But um, the rest of it, you know, it seems to be good. But they did drain the tank, and there was a stank in the tank. I don't know if I talked about this uh, last week i'm guessing cruddy leftover gas or something it's, like that. it was something they didn't really recognize the smell they're like we've smelled diesel before when people have screwed up and put diesel in we've smelled sea foam we've done this and that that had a different smell so we drained the tank now the thing is it's it got the like varnish uh, uh that's just it it they couldn't really identify it huh. so they uh they drained the tank and the fuel pump is in its own little reservoir tank which they couldn't get to well they could if I'd spend another four hundred dollars right, in, right, in right, just right. time, of course. But uh, they saved me money. And Mark so said, "Just shake it up." I I went to yeah. turn upside down. <laughs> Apparently, that's what I did because I took it out for the test drive before coming to see you, and I I wasn't even to the the main street outside of my uh, uh, my neighborhood, and I'm, 
And I'm like, oh, shh. Mark walks into the garage, and the mechanic's got the gas tank over his head, and he's shaking it like he's trying to get a pick out of a guitar. <laughs> what did you put in here? Just my what hopes and dreams. The hell, man? <laughs> they smell bad. But uh, <laughs> I did that, and I got about three quarters of a mile down the road, yeah, and James it died again. Stinks. But the thing is, I called them yesterday, and I said, hey, you know, it's dying, blah, blah, blah. And he said, well, here's what we could do. It's going to cost this much. Or, And I said, I just need to write it, don't I? He's yeah, like, yeah, man. honestly, you need to just run gas through it. Get gas through it, and that will help pull through whatever this yeah, is. That gas is only 12 and a half bucks a gallon. Just yeah. run gas through it. Well, I, I'm like, well, you know, could I read on interwebs, it could be battery, because sometimes, you know, if your battery's bad, he's like, no, it's not your battery. <laughs> and he's very straightforward. And he just yeah. said, uh, you know, it's there, there's something in there, and it's just got to kind of work That's out. Gotta, it's got to work the crud out of it. And he system. said, it, it's a ratness. And I believed him, too, because when he talked to me, he's like, well, it, are you, you can start it, right? And it runs, right? So obviously it's not electricity, it's not gas, and it's not air. It's it's like getting a bad meal from a taco truck. You just got to work it through your system. Yeah, it just, I've got yeah, Taco yeah, Bell in my tank. That, yeah. and, uh, but then <laughs> Extra I, bean burrito. after that twice, it didn't do it again. Cool. So today I was like, uh, you know, man up. And I rode it into work. Not a problem. Rode it home. Not a problem. Maybe you fixed it. Maybe uh, it fixed it. So maybe it's self-healing. It, maybe yeah, it finally went. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I'm looking forward to getting that new tire. And then I can feel safe to go perhaps uh, push it a little bit mm-hmm. out on the highway. Uh, maybe I'll follow you. That would be awesome. Maybe I'll lead you. Yeah, it would be awesome, too, because yeah. I'm sure you could push a little harder than I'm willing to. Well, should well, should well, I bring the van just in case you got to like get out and lay down <laughs> for a minute? Because you made, made a boo-boo. Yeah, we'll see how that goes. Yeah. <laughs> Apparently, Karma found out that I sold a bunch of cars and I had money in the bank. Yeah, because it's been kicking me in the teeth for the last <laughs> week. Uh, finally, got the blue Corvette home after I spent on it. Uh, there's still, I'll be sorting that car for a year or two. That's just the way these things go. Yeah. Uh, one of the Harleys needed tires and an oil change. The other Harley, the one that I thought had a leaky primary. Did not. When Harley made Evo engines through the 80s and 90s, when they put the jugs on, they used a kind of crappy paper gasket at the base of them. And old Evos have a tendency to eat that gasket. Yeah, it's And paper. it happened on my, gray, on my gray bike, but I was going to build the engine anyway, so that worked out. But when it happened on the Mooglide this last week, $1,200. Thanks. Thanks, Mooglide, bastard. (laughs) And uh, Red Corvette needs a little bit here and there like old cars do. Plus, I've got new upholstery to put in. The blue Corvette got new seat covers, new bright blue leather seat covers and foam from Alnock. Got a carpet set for the red Corvette from Alnock and a soft top from Alnock. So, people at Alnock, thank you very much. Really appreciate all of your hard work on my behalf. New set of tires and an oil change on the pickup. Thank God Rhonda's car is done. (laughs) <laughs> sweet jesus palomino did, <laughs> how did you guys hear that i had money in the bank you've got the midas crap is oh, what yeah. you've got <laughs> every everything i own in the past week has turned to shit <laughs> so uh yeah i've managed to thin the bank account a little bit but thank god i'd sold stuff you know i, I had the well, money sitting and if i keep thinking if i get all this stuff done at once one i will i will have either won the battle 
or I will have satisfied my purpose on earth and I'll drop dead. <laughs> <laughs> well, you took me for a ride in that uh, in, in the little blue Corvette. I like and, that car. Uh, God, what a sweet ride that is. And the sound. Blah, yeah, blah, nothing blah, sounds blah, like blah, that. Blah. It, it's not. It, here's the really sad thing about that car. And you and I were talking about this last night. It's a 65, 327, 350 horse, four-speed oh. knockoff wheels and side yeah. pipes. And if I ran up against a brand-new Camry, I would get the crap kicked <laughs> out of me. A <laughs> Joko mom with her little handlebar hairdo. Things have changed, dude. <laughs> yeah, when she puts her little credit card there on the dashboard and gives uh, you a wink. <laughs> yeah. Just, just Camrys. Just, just the cars it. of the Japanese. Just keep it. Venmo me. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I'm going to get stomped like a narc at a biker rally. <laughs> It's not going to go well. And it just never ends. Hey, in car news this week, Haggerty reminds us of car trivia you should already know. Buick has a sleek new concept oh, car. Yeah. Oh, man, I would drive this thing. Yeah. I don't, it would be the second Buick. I, no, wait, third. Uh, oh. We do own a crap box Buick for my youngest daughter right now. <laughs> yeah. yeah. It, well, it sits well. and doesn't go anywhere because, you know, my kid. Almost 21 years old. Her dad, Mr. Carr, she doesn't have a driver's license. That figures. That, yep. But Buick has a sleek new concept <laughs> car. Maybe if I got her that one, she'd learn how to drive. <laughs> and Shelby American debuts a car that never was, but probably should have been. Our special guest this week is Chris Bright of Collector Part Exchange. CPX is celebrating their first year in business. And if you will oh. recall, we had them on when they were just getting started. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they're expanding into some new and interesting areas. And Chris is going to be here to tell us about all the cool stuff that's going on over at CPX. We've got a lot of news to cover this week, so let's get to it. From Haggerty, 10 automotive factoids you should never forget. Haggerty has an article this past week that took a look back at some of the automotive trivia you either don't know or may have forgotten. There was uh, plenty of this stuff that I didn't know. Well, we have here what? 10 bit of automotive trivias for you to stump your car-loving friends on. Ooh, bring it on, bring it on. Okay, uh, the 1939 Packard was the first production car to offer air conditioning. They built 300 cars with AC, and Cadillac built 300 AC cars in 1940. Pack, right? Packard beat them to it. I thought Cadillac was the one that uh, that it did it first. Beat them by a whole Packard year. is sexy, sexy talk right there. Yeah, yeah. There the go. late 30s, early 40s Packards, I, I want one that's canary yellow and a convertible. That's all I ask out of life. You say inline eight in front of Mark, and he gets all mushy. Oh, dude, yeah. Give me that flathead. Give me the flathead. With AC, even. Yeah, flathead. There's more, there's more bad jokes there. <laughs> <laughs> Just so I can put my beer on it. Yeah. Man, pistol grip ears. <laughs> the original Ford GT40 used the four round taillights of the Chevrolet Corvair. The oh. lights were lightweight, easy to procure, and small enough to fit on a race car. I'm going to keep making jacked wild. up jokes with you all night, dude. You're, there's bring, no way you're keeping Bring a it on. Face. You won't break me. Uh-huh. <laughs> so you go, Chevy has a little bit of a history of winning against Ferrari. No, not really. There you go. Kind of not. <laughs> yeah, but uh, no. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The 1922 uh, Lancia uh, Lambda yes. was the first to utilize a monocoque chassis. Okay. I'm going to play Village Idiot, but not play it because I am. The hell is a monocoque chassis? C-O- Q-U-E. It is the the chassis of a vehicle that is a single piece. Oh, kind of like a mono. The tub. Yeah, the tub. 22. Of the, oh, yep. Okay, that like what Beatles used to do. 
No, that's that's unibody. That's unibody. Yeah, that that's where so they what take makes a, it a monocoque. The, the the tub around the passenger compartment is a single piece. Yeah. Oh, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. Ah, they do that now in high end sports cars and hypercars. Yeah, oh. but Lancia did it in nineteen twenty two. They did it in nineteen twenty two. That's pretty that? forward thinking. That is crazy. Uh, the Willys uh, Hurricane was a four cylinder with the intake valves in the overhead valve configuration. It was the first one. It was wasn't, the first wasn't the Willys Hurricane the the almost unkillable four cylinder? Wasn't that thing like brutal, long lasting? I know it wasn't the GM Iron Duke. Yeah. <laughs> Oh. Yeah, yeah, Can you say uh, class action I'm lawsuit? Not, <laughs> I'm not 100 percent on that, so I'm, I'm, I wouldn't know. But yeah. uh, the door strikers on all years of the Porsche 928 is a perfect <laughs> bottle opener. Look at the picture. I pulled it up. Look at the picture. Oh my god! It's on okay, there. All you got to do is scroll down. It's like the fifth thing. I'm looking. I'm going to look because that. Oh my God! Look at that! Oh yeah! And so, uh, I'll it, be damned. If, if you want to load your cooler in your back of your 928, don't worry about bringing the uh, bottle opener with you. I just think open this the is door. the first time I've started to like just Porsches. Open the door. <laughs> I'd really like to oh, see the look on something. a cop's face when you open the door on a 928 <laughs> and pop your bottle top. Now this, 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 this next one's something interesting because I had no idea this ever really uh, existed. But then again, I wasn't a big NASCAR follower. So, a Jaguar. Um, XK120, piloted by Al Kegger, won a NASCAR <laughs> racetrack or race uh, back in 1954. NASCAR banned imports after 1958 season. And the you can't import, bring that over here, you yeah, limey. And the imports racing today, like Toyota, qualified because they're actually made here in the USA. North Carolina or Georgia or wherever it is, they've got yeah. that Toyota assembly plant. Yep, yep. And it was Al Keller, by the way, just FYI. But Al Kegger now, is the he guy still I would hang his, with in the yeah, pits. He, 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 he still had his mind on that 928 door striker. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's pretty cool, huh? Who knew? Yeah. The 1979 V8 Mustang was the first American automobile that featured the serpentine belt. That's cool. Oh, wow. I didn't know that. I didn't know that either. I, I didn't know they were like doing it that early. That. That's pretty cool. Well, well those were know. still the little Fox bodies, weren't they? Yeah, that was the first year Fox body. Yeah. I mean, don't go on. Before, well, before seven, that, 78 the, technically was the first year for a Fox body, but 79 was the first year for a Mustang. So the serpentine belt, instead of having the two belts flipping around and stuff, was it to save rubber or did it actually improve the functionality of the of the engine and, and you know, Just efficiency the, the take away? Yeah. I, I, I think it, it may have been power? an efficiency thing. Okay. And I, it may have been horsepower, too, because the 79 V8 Mustang didn't have any. <laughs> Yeah, because technically the the Fox body that was in seventy eight didn't. Yeah, they, I, I they, think they the, just had straight. I think the stuff. seven the seventy nine V eight Mustang, if memory serves, was rated at like a hundred forty horse or one hundred thirty. It was, yeah, it was, it was anemic. It was terrible. That's a it had a three hundred two. Yeah, there's 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 wow. three bangers out there now that probably put out more. Yeah, in <laughs> motorcycles, it was pretty bad. It's pretty bad. Uh, GMC stands for the. Grabowski Motor no. Company, yes, not it does. General Motors Corporation. No. Yes, it does. Are you serious? Yes, it does. It was the big Grabowski. Yes. Oh, that, my yes, God. And here's the thing. Uh, oh. I want that on a T-shirt so bad now I can't see straight. I will wear a Grabowski Motor Company T-shirt. Well, GM, That'd be awesome. GM acquired I, I like that idea. GMC because they were trying to find a reliable heavy-duty truck manufacturer to try and counter what Ford was doing. Oh, and they bought them in the 1920s, early 20s, if memory serves. 
That's a while hilarious. ago. A while ago. So Mark like Grabowski yeah. Mo- Motor Company. Grabowski Motors. And Grabowski. Uh, a woman named Mary Anderson invented the first windshield wiper in 1905. How much money did she get screwed out of? Every bit of it. Every, all the money. All Maybe they gave her a dollar. Thank you, Mary. Wasn't. I'm so glad. Screw you, Anderson. Get you back know, in the kitchen. There were a lot of first invention kind of things where people really didn't make money on those inventions. Not until much later on that it got more perfected before it became a valuable thing. Now, yes. I wonder... it. Was it just the wiper part of it, the kind of the rubber, uh, you know, little uh, yeah, squeegee yeah, thing, actual, yeah. rather than the mechanism that makes no, it go back it was and forth the, on its it own? it was the whole thing. Oh, my God. It was the whole thing. Because those early ones, didn't they have to do them by hand? Like, rink, rink, they had just a little uh, handle that went through the window. And flat speaking windshield. of women who it's got possible. screwed out of the money on their inventions, my mom invented the Batman pedal car. Really? When I was little. Uh, sure. Really? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Not kidding. Put that on there. Wow. We, we number eleven on here. Did she sell it? I mean, the patent. Or? She she came up with the idea and painted one for me. Uh-huh. And you know, of course, some toy manufacturer made it when Batman got hot with all the merchandising and crap. But she said that she invented the Batman pedal car. I believe her because my mom doesn't fib. <laughs> there you go. Much. That's awesome. Because my mom, my mom doesn't lie. Well, Unless it's convenient. I was your third virgin so birth. So if you ever get that, <laughs> if you ever get that on an automotive uh, trivia thing, on the How first pedal car event, it's oh, Mrs. Hatfield. <laughs> you, you what? Uh-huh. <laughs> You're what? <laughs> Hang on. Here, here, here's one that's Nuh-uh. kind of interesting. Here, here's the last one we'll go over here. This is kind of interesting in, in, a, in a weird way. The new car smell. You know, that everybody loves oh, so yes. much of. I've read this before. Produced by toxic off-gassings from plastics, glues, and other materials used in manufacturing and assembly of automotive interiors. Yeah, that new car smell is really not good for you. Yeah, <laughs> well, it's it's kind of like inhaling, well, really yeah. bad stuff. Yeah, yep. you know, back in the school days when we used to sniff the blue ink off the mimeograph, mm. if it was still wet, it was still working. Mimeograph. Is this after you came from the ether frolic? <laughs> you are not wrong. <laughs> and, and to know that you could get into your car and, wow, that's uh, uh, brain cells. Yeah, well, just, I think it's the same reason they don't make the 3M uh fabric sealant anymore because people were huffing it well yeah there was actually a spray that you could get quick quick to get that new car smell yeah and yeah. this is what it was it's it was basically you're spraying glue liquid cancer yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but boy it smells so good <laughs> here get a whiff of this well those are some very interesting facts and, I do. and there, there's some of those I, I didn't know and some of those um i had no idea Gra- nine, nine of the ten i had no clue <laughs> grabowski motor company i just love that grabowski, grabowski. motor company and popping the top with your car's door lock so uh, uh we, we need a t-shirt now made uh for driven radio show watch the driven radio show in your grabowski motor uh I'd, I'd rather make one of the just a black t-shirt white outline of the Porsche door striker next to an open bottle of German beer with a cap. <laughs> I think we've got a series of, of shirts we need to start what getting is, to. I wonder what German is for pop the top. I, I think German for, for open for pop top is Drinkenstein. Yeah, <laughs> Drinkenstein. <laughs> yeah. Oh, God. <laughs> Uh, I'm sorry, Germany. I, forgive me. <laughs> Son of a bitch doesn't like Porsche either. Kill him. All right. Uh, from Haggerty, Buick begins electric era with Wildcat concept and a new logo. 
Uh, this, if you can find this online, do it. Do yeah, it now. Absolutely do. Go do to, it now. Go find do it. it. Go find it on Haggerty. <laughs> the pictures of this car are outstanding. This thing's gorgeous. You know, we're, we're not usually big fans here of electric vehicles, but I think we've got a consensus on this one, and it's like spring. Yeah. Because uh, they're all electric plants. This is the latest. The company has stated that it will be all electric by the end of the decade. Yeah, whatever. I'll believe uh, it when it yeah, happens. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Sure you will. Uh, its first EV arriving for the North American market in 2024. The brand's pivot will be accompanied by a new logo, as well as new. Well, it's still got that kind of triple thing going on, but it's more well, like it's, daggers. It, it, the shields are no longer connected; they're just individual red, white, and blue. Yeah. But yeah, mm, it, it's cool. Okay. That's fine. Yes. This is not your father's Buick. These are three daggers. Uh, there'll be, there'll be new styling language, the latter which will be previewed by the Wildcat EV concept. Today's battery-powered 2 plus 2 uh, coupe features plenty of expressive lines from the forward-facing grill and lighting elements to the swooping rear cabin line that cascades gradually down to the rear of the vehicle. It's even got what looks like, at least, oh, please, God, let them actually make this. <clears throat> this is like something that I would want, and it's electric. Because yeah. otherwise, you know, they all look like melted ice cream scoops. Yeah. But this thing is just hot looking, and it's got a slight wraparound front windshield. And I'm like, really? Look at you, you little Studebaker Starliner. Yeah. You <laughs> rolling backwards. I think I love you. <laughs> uh, it's just, I, I, honest to God, it is cool. There's plenty of neat tech, including side view screens mounted just below the interior's high belt line and a single broad screen spanning the width of the entire instrument cluster. It's got the uh, 18-spoke jet age-inspired wheels. Nice nod to wild uh, Buicks of the late 50s and early 60s. Those look really cool. Doesn't it? Buick says the concept is, and I quote, built to be a platform for futuristic features such as artificial intelligence, biometrics, and aromatherapy. Aromatherapy, really? Well, that that way. It's a new oh, car smell. I've got my. It's going to give you cancer. I've got my new Redwoods smell yeah. in my car, uh, possibly hinting at upscale intentions for the brand's future. Well, of course, it's a freaking Buick. You know how a yeah. lot of new cars have cooled seats where they blow air through the bottom of them. No, but I yeah. like it. No, I know Red, what you're talking about. Rhonda's Porsche, her Cayenne has that. It's one of the coolest things. So you couple Literally. that with air conditioning, it's fantastic. But I'm wondering if Buick is thinking they're going to use their aromatherapy to contrast or cover up other aromas that may be coming from the passengers. <laughs> Run them through those cool seats. You know, it'll never get stuck again. There, there were times in my dad's That's what the truck, are all about. not to yeah. be rude, but he would leave you a gift. And you'd sit down on that cushion and go, sweet mother of God. Yeah, thanks for that rose pop. <laughs> That's an old car Re- smell. <laughs> really appreciate that one. I'll just be turning on my aromatherapy fans. Now, I Redwood. love this nod. Uh, all Buick EVs will incorporate the Electra name. Uh, as a nod to the brand's 59 to 72 nameplate, as a convenient phonetic indicator that these models run on electrons. That is really forward looking if you came up with that in 59. And hey, guess what we're going to do now? That, you know, that, and, that's and pretty it, cool. And, and if you could make, call it Electra 225, 226, whatever, whatever it takes. It takes. <laughs> I, I, might, I might understand, besides the fact, yes, the car looks extremely cool. Um, but I, I might have an idea of why we are all three on the same page of why this EV seems actually much cooler than the previous ones. Yeah. Why? What else does Buick have that's exciting that we've talked about? Grand National, so that's it. No, no, no. Like something more recent, not something from the 80s. I'm, no. Exactly. <laughs> that's why we're so excited about it, because Buick ain't got a crap. No. 
everything see, else. See, like, GM's got cool shit like like Corvettes and and things. But then when they put an EV, like who cares? They got other cool stuff. Well, everything else that Buick right? has done, they've really geared towards the Chinese market because that's one that's one of the biggest oh, yeah. brands in China. It is. They like sell the, more stuff there than they sell here. I think it's and the number why, one and number third and number three most sold car there. That's why most of their stuff is about as exciting as cold cheese whiz. Well, I, I've even Until been now, looking, I've been looking at Buick enclaves because you know uh, my parents uh, have one of those. I, I take it back. It looks like I, I. I don't think it looks very good, but they drive beautifully and that, they're that really believe. comfortable, and they got a lot of good space in them. It's a fantastic highway car, but not. They seem as nice to me as Cadillac. If you, if you, yeah, interior they really yeah. do. Yeah. But. If you drove someplace and you're walk and you're going to dinner and you were walking in, you wouldn't throw another look over your shoulder at that car. No, no. no. And the only reason I'm looking at them used is because you know a Hyundai Santa Fe looks like it would be painful for my fat American you butt. Will but move. I know a Buick would hug the tush. And they get pretty decent mileage. Yeah, and they're really comfortable. They're loaded with stuff. It's nice as a caddy. It's just not something you look at. They are completely forgettable. Twice. Yeah, yeah. But, it's but unfortunately, the, none of them are as excited as the what this EV looks oh, like. Oh, this thing with that way that the whole back slants down like, there, and the, and that yep. front grill is aggressive. Without, if they make something that even comes close to that, yeah. they'll sell every single one of them yep. before they're made. Uh, I I think I that's agree. I think that's absolutely brilliant looking. And again. I haven't been real excited by anything Buick has made, I don't think, since the early 90s. Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought something uh, a few years back was going to get kind of excited because I was looking at one of their cars that they, they were, one of the, probably the only one they were making at the time, um, actually had a look at this like, wait a minute, are those Brembo brakes on there? So I'm thinking, hey, they're yeah. starting to get into the performance side. But they half-assed it, didn't really do much about it, got right out of it. Well, uh, and every now and then they would, really they'll roll out a hot-looking concept that looks like a modern interpretation of a Grand National, yeah. and then they don't make and they, it. And they, oh, see you later. So, All right. Really, <laughs> really no, depressing. No GS for you. Something much cooler than that. Yes. Much cooler Where's than that. Where's it from, though? And Besides your deep I, pockets. I, <laughs> The source. <laughs> I know you love Granddaddy's this. Granddaddy's cash bar. Bothers me so goddamn <laughs> Make it rain. Run, <laughs> fuck. Sons of bitches. Uh, Carol Shelby's Cobra camera concept comes to life. Wow, In order that five times uh, I'm not yeah. sure I could. It's Ken, and he's coming to kill me. In order to celebrate Shelby American's 60th anniversary, the company has just unveiled a completed concept of one of Shelby's ill-fated motorsport dreams, the Cobra Camera concept. What it was was the Cobra Daytona Coupe that Shelby, uh, that Pete Brock designed. We've had Pete Brock on the show. Uh, He designed it, and Shelby ran that thing at Daytona and Le Mans in 64. He didn't win at Daytona, but they did win at Le Mans in 64 in the GT class, the same year that the Ford GT40 showed up at Le Mans for the first time, and none of those cars finished. Uh, Henry Ford II was pretty impressed with what Shelby did at Le Mans, and that's what started or uh, having Shelby spearhead that project they built six of the daytona coupes because shelby was then charged with making the gt40 win at le mans uh the daytona coupes kind of got stuck in a corner 
those things were successful outrunning with 289s in them, and they just walked away from the Ferraris. It was fantastic. Shelby wanted to stick one of the big 427 FE side oilers out of the Cobra uh, uh, semi-comp cars and competition cars in a Daytona coupe. Engine would have never fit. They were going to have to lengthen the chassis three inches. Yeah. Which is exactly what Shelby American did now for this. You know, they make continuation Daytonas. So they lengthen the chassis of one three inches. They finish the entire car in highly polished aluminum. (laughs) So the car is super light. And they debuted the thing last weekend at the Carlisle Ford Nationals in Carlisle, Pennsylvania. Uh, They're getting 650 horse out of this engine, out of a car that arguably probably doesn't weigh 2,700 pounds. Oh, my God. This this, this thing was a whole... And and I'm saying 2,700 because I'm trying to allow for that engine. I'd be surprised if it was a lot over 2,500 pounds. These things were super light. Well, they... And they stuck these. They're sticking yeah. this great big 650 horse uh, Hemi V8 in it, uh, forged steel crankshaft, dual four barrel carbs. Dual four barrels, holy cow! Yeah, well, <laughs> well, did these things haul butt? Like I know a sh- slightly shorter version of it with no, the 289s. They were, yeah, they were very fast with the 289s in them and very sleek and just like I said, they walked away from the Ferraris, the 250 GTOs when they ran at Le Mans. And so it had to be a pretty lightweight car. With the 289 to make it haul that much? Oh, yeah. And didn't with, weigh anything. With this, so, with, oh, my goodness. And I think the 289s on those were 300, 350 horse, somewhere in that neighborhood. Imagine adding another 300 horse to it and probably a couple hundred pounds. But those the car would still be stupidly fast. Yeah, yeah, for that. Oh, my so goodness. So what Shelby is going to do uh, for the next year is they're going to show this car at a bunch of different uh, events and shows and things to try and gauge, uh, interest in it and see whether or not they would make it. I'm betting that they do. They haven't announced any pricing for it. This isn't going to be cheap by any stretch of the imagination. I bet these things cost a ton, but they're one hell of a lot more interesting than most of the exotic stuff you see rolling around right now and might run with some of it. Now, it says in this article that uh, a one-off car was built with the 427 wedge in it. Yeah, but uh, it, I don't think that they ever got the thing completed, and it certainly never ran anywhere. I think they may have tried to build one and then put it back because there are six Daytona Coupes in existence from the original set. And they're all the, the shorter. Yeah. I'll be darned. And they they trade hands when they trade hands for upper seven and low eight figures. Wow. They, they trade their... Yeah, hugely expensive. So, yeah, you you wouldn't lay your hands on one easily at all. That is, you know, it took me a second because when I was first looking at it, I'm like, wait a minute, that's a kind of a Corvette-ish, but uh, Mustang-ish. Oh, Daytona Coupe. What uh, the they, hell is going on with the back end of that they thing? They used, like? they used wooden <laughs> blocks and hand-form aluminum to do the first one. You would never believe this. First of all, Pete Brock drew it in chalk on their garage floor. To kind of get the idea for the size of the car and the shape and everything else. Then they use wooden bucks and aluminum and they finish the car Lord. in 90 days. Oh my God. 
Oh, no way. 90 days. <laughs> and 90 Pete, days seems if cash. you If you watch 24-Hour awesome. War, Pete Brock says they took the thing to Riverside and right off the truck, first few laps, it turned a, a, a lap time that was three and a half seconds faster than anything else they'd ever run there. Oh, my God. The whole, the whole reason <laughs> for the Daytona Coupe was uh, the the Cobra Roadsters, even the the four twenty sevens, you know the comp cars, they're aerodynamically limited to about one hundred fifty, hundred sixty miles an hour. You, you got there and you just you couldn't push it any faster. You just couldn't. It, you know the wind wouldn't allow it to oh, do yeah. that, and that meant that they couldn't take it to Le Mans because the Mulsanne Straight is three point seven miles long. And the cars there were hitting 200 miles an hour going down that. The Cobra would have just gotten the shit kicked out of it yeah. every lap, every single lap for 24 hours. So they had to have something that would run that Mulsanne straight. And it was the Daytonas. And they took them there, and they did. And they won the GT class in 64. Nice. First time to kick Enzo's ass. <laughs> well, that's a it's a hot looking thing, a weird combination between the, an almost uh, really old Jag front end, yeah, from yeah, the side looking. It has and then such you hit sexy that, curves on it. I yeah, love that it. American cab, and it's just it's and, very, it's and very then the, like. the the dual lake pipe looking uh, yeah. exhaust coming out the uh, side, just well, and yeah, and Daddy when like when she, when Shelby asked for a drive? when Shelby <laughs> oh, asked yeah. Pete Brock, do you, could you make a coupe? Uh, Brock said. I can, I? I can make one, but it's not going to look like anything you've ever seen before. And Shelby said, oh, hell, I don't care what it looks like. Will it go fast? <laughs> and, and Brock said, yeah, it'll go fast. <laughs> That's awesome. Done. <laughs> so, Our special guest this week is Chris Bright of Collector Part Exchange. If you guys remember, we had him on last year right as they were getting CPX up and running. Yeah. They're celebrating their first year in business. They've done some pretty remarkable things. They've expanded a lot, and they're doing some cool stuff, and they're expanding into some interesting new areas. Chris is going to be here to talk about all the cool stuff they're doing at CPX. All this and much more is coming up next on Driven Radio Show. Welcome back to Driven Radio, coming to you from Driven Radio World Headquarters. I love it when we say World Headquarters. It's my wife's dining room <laughs> in beautiful Overland Park, Kansas. Our returning guest this week is Chris Bright of Collector Part Exchange. CPX is celebrating their first year in business and is expanding into some interesting new areas. Ooh. And we've drugged Mr. Chris back to discuss we all the cool going-ons. <laughs> you know, we drunk him and, you know... <laughs> He <laughs> looked like he was pretty willing. Hell, he didn't find it all. <laughs> Chris, welcome back to Driven Radio. We're sorry. <laughs> Where am I? Where am I? What happened? What happened? Take the mask off. <laughs> Does this smell like chloroform to you? <laughs> this is going to get edited out, I hope. No, yeah. no. I'm yeah. nodding, but I'm lying. Yeah, this yeah. is... This is absolutely going to roll. This is the best part of the show, like Chris. This. It just goes downhill from here. <laughs> this is, it, it, you should see the people who really like our show. They dress almost <laughs> almost entirely in bathrobes. Uh, the cufflinks <laughs> tie in the rear. It's really weird. Right? <laughs> I don't get it. <laughs> We're going to let him catch his breath, folks, and then we'll get right into this. <laughs> 
He's just trying to shake it off. Okay. <laughs> Earlier this month, you celebrated your first anniversary since launching the site. Congratulations. That's awesome. How many stores are there on CPX now? And well, it, oh, go ahead. Sorry. And are these mostly individuals or big companies looking for added exposure? Who are you serving? Yeah. Well, we're up to about 175, I think, stores wow. on the site. Something, wow. something like that. So that's really good, and it's. It's uh, all of the above. We've got folks who are professional part sellers who sell on our site, and we're picking up people who are just individuals, who are collectors, who are trying to clean out the garage and everything in between. So, you know, some of my favorite ones are uh, folks who aren't selling things but are selling services. So sometimes you're looking for a part, Ooh. and you don't need a new part. You just need the part you have rebuilt or refurbished is this like that's really hard to find so um you know now i we just had one where someone needed a part for a a unit in a ferrari and uh the part itself was eight thousand dollars and hard to get and it can be rebuilt for about eight hundred dollars so uh eight hundred dollars sounds a lot better than eight thousand dollars i'm waiting for this go ahead i I was just thinking that it just sounded like that part of Craigslist I used to go to. Yeah, that they don't have anymore. <laughs> <laughs> 30, 37 dirty jokes went through my head. And I waited for you. Parts and services. Oh, wink. wink. <laughs> I'm happy to end this conversation. Oh, hey, sweet. You know, for some of the stores that you have, um, how far... What all do they cover? I mean, is it the whole gamut of uh, collector vehicles from just old, you know, dirty classics all the way up to the the big dollar ones? What's what's the real focus of these collections? Yeah, I, I would say um, we do span lots of ranges of cars uh, in terms of value, but in terms of focus, we're less uh, we have less representation on the domestic cars, although we have some. Um, we're mostly uh, we see mostly European sports cars. I would get British, Italian, German, French, that kind of stuff, um, you know, from Triumphs to Lamborghinis and everything in between. And and there, and I'm not saying that we don't have domestic stuff. We do. We've got quite a few people who have some old parts, and there's, there's a, a fella who uh, parts out cars, that, and he's in the Midwest, and you call him up, and he has the whole car, and you tell him what you need off of it, and he... He tells you the price and off you go. So it, it makes it really easy for people to to connect and find find things wherever they are. I, I will say this. I admire you for bringing it back to the clean world. I absolutely figured you were going to say petite submissive with large ankles has Ford water pump for sale. Well, that crossed my mind. But the thing is, it was still all about me because I've got leftover chunks from that 56 Plymouth that I screwed up horribly. Yeah, I've got two old, uh, new old stock um, uh, rocker panels. That uh, Dude, I never you need to get on CPX and clean out your garage. Dude, like I, I was, mine. I daydreamed about welding those, but uh, yeah, it turned <laughs> into a nightmare. Yeah, I've seen your welding. <laughs> yeah, it's not pretty, man. It resembles Swiss cheese. <laughs> it's like an eighth grader's uh, volcano in uh, in science class. <laughs> Wait, I gotta shake up the Dr Pepper. Yeah, come on, put in put in the Mentos. Run away. <laughs> That's me welding. 
Especially the running away part. Yeah, right? You're damn run right. Run away, run away. <laughs> if you value your life, you will. Better get moving. If you don't die from the welding, it'll be my cursing. That's <laughs> all that arcing. Yeah. <laughs> Look at the pretty rainbow. We can't tell if it's the torch or the lightning beams, or the lightning bolts coming the, from the hey, what is that crap that, from that spindle that's supposed to go through? Where the hell? I thought the metal just came together by an act of God. I, I don't know, man. I quit washing him <laughs> ten minutes ago. Yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> so... Hey, hey, I'm still here, guys. <laughs> Chris, who? Yeah, yeah. We'll get back to you in a minute. Don't be pushy. Shut up, Chris. We're talking just, here. I feel like I'm, I'm on a Robin Williams guest show. <laughs> you see what I got to deal with every day, Chris? <laughs> we just, we just needed a target, man. Yeah. Sorry, if, you, if, you need, if you need some help, just... Uh-huh. <laughs> so what's really hot on CPX? What are people buying and selling that seems to move a lot? Well, not submissive, whatever, thick ankles and all that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, sure, whatever, Petite Chris, submissive keep, would think I have thick ankles and a Ford water pump. <laughs> We've been seeing a lot of uptick in uh, in Porsche stuff being sold on our site and Porsche stuff being bought on our site. So that's kind of uh, been a really interesting uh, development. There's quite a few uh, folks who specialize in anywhere from 356 up to 911s and even the more modern water-cooled cars. And, you know, Porsches are pretty um, uh, common cars, but, you know, there's a lot of nuance in within them. So sure. finding the right part for the right car, um, and they've got all sorts of different specs, you know, can be a little bit of a tricky business. So we're, we're seeing, we've sold a few engines and transmissions and um, hood panels for 356s and all, all sorts of stuff in between. So it's goes from the big down to the small, but, you know, that's been really fun, and um, we we are actually seeing a fair number of stuff. Uh, we just had a really cool sale. This is probably my favorite one that we've had, which is um, there's a fellow in where I live in Portland, Oregon, who just acquired a very special car. It's an Alfa Romeo Sprint Zagato, mm-hmm. and that's a very cool car, very rare, and he happened to buy, not happened, he bought serial number one. Oh, so wow. Very, very special prototype. So it just arrived here in Portland, and we were doing an event with, uh, and Keith Martin was uh, kind of hosting. Yeah, I was going to bring up, I think I saw Keith post something about that car not long ago. Yeah, yeah. So I invited him to um, MC the event, uh, and and the reason I invited him, because I I head up the, the Alfa Romeo Club here, that's, that's how that happened. <laughs> Anyhow, um, so Keith came over, and he goes, you know, it, those aren't the correct wheels. Of and, course, you know, he wouldn't know. Picking on it. it, it was just like, oh, the you know, someone along the way swapped out the original wheels. Well, we looked on uh, CPX, and guess what? There is a guy in Italy, Gino Junio, selling uh, Alfa Romeo Sprint Zagato wheels originals. Um, he's like the world's foremost experts on Sprint Zagatos. He's written a book, and he had a a set of five wheels in his garage and he sold them to this guy and they're on their way over right now. Brilliant. Well, trying to find those, connect those people wherever they are, whether they're in Australia or, you know, we've had, we've sold things to Australia, Europe, and we've, you know, and vice versa. So, um, you know, it's really fun to start seeing these connections fire up, you know, after only just a year. So your audience and sellers are global, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, by the way, I'm an occasional employee of Keith's. So <laughs> that's right. That's right. I do remember that. <laughs> that. Uh, 
what have you learned in the past year about uh, buying trends online? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think it's uh, more about the how we process and, and connect people. You know, I think there's a lot of people who are out looking and and trying to find these parts and and we're actually coming up quite well in in search so even though we're a, a very very young site we're so specialized and so narrow that we get a lot of traffic coming just inbound through google which is which was one of our ideas and you know i think the the thing that we've really learned is less about buying trends but how to handle this whole process because one of the challenges with car parts is you can buy something that's as small as a spark plug or a bushing or something that will fit in a common envelope, or you can buy a complete engine, or in some cases, a complete uh, project car or shell car. And, you know, just trying to get all of that information and get the shipping information and, and all of that arranged just takes a lot more effort. It is, we're, we're, and, and people get a little frustrated with that because Amazon has trained us trained us to go click a button and it shows up, you know, in 24 hours yeah. and all the shipping's included. You know, you can't just have one click purchasing for someone who's buying uh, a rear differential for a Chevy, right? Yeah. Well, and we are part of that group that's gotten used to Amazon delivering inside of 24 hours because we're 10 miles from a distribution center. <laughs> so a lot of stuff you order shows up the next morning. You're like, wow, that oh, was okay. really fast. I have ordered stuff in the morning, and it's there that evening. I've, I'm had, like, I've, had, that happen. I've had that happen a couple of times, too. You order yeah. it as you're drinking your coffee in the morning, and then by about 3.30, it's on your porch. You're like, wow, <laughs> man, was that fast. Color me impressed. It, it's creepy sometimes. Yeah. I, I so, um, yeah but, so, so just trying to you know kind of crack the code and – and helping um, get more kind of smooth things out so people know what the expectations are and kind of get that going. Because, like I said, and um, but we're working on all of that, and it's been really fun to kind of problem solve. I mean, I think that's the joy of entrepreneurship is you're constantly um, using your creativity to solve problems or attack new problems and things like that. And that's, that's the joy of it for me. Improvise, adapt, overcome. <laughs> you got it. So going back to Keith Martin, last year when you were starting out, one of the first thing you so, things you sold was a collection of his automobilia. Uh, how did that ha wash out? I never saw the end of it. Oh, gosh. It was a huge success. It was so much fun to do. And, and I appreciate Keith's you know, kind of pushing to do that because originally he said, oh, I'll just sell the stuff on your site. And then he goes, I'll auction my stuff on your site. There so you that, go. that huh. was the impetus for us to get into – um, the auction side of things, which we had always intended to get to, but he catalyzed that. So, and I really appreciated it. So he, um, the whole auction came about because of essentially COVID. When COVID happened, sports car market no longer needed their corporate yeah. headquarters here in Portland. And they just started cleaning stuff out. And uh, Keith said, we'll sell it on your site. So, we took it in, and it took a bit of time for us to get the auction site built and, and ready to go. But once we did, it was so much fun. Keith's such a well-known guy, and, and he just had a very eclectic collection of toys and books and models and um, parts. There, there was just a little bit of everything, an Alfa Romeo sign. 
down to you know a bunch of Hot Wheels cars yeah. and and everything in between. So it drove a lot of interest and really taught us about um, how an auction runs and 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 got that going. So it was so successful that we had a bunch of people reach out to us immediately after that and go, "Hey, I saw you sold Pete's stuff. Would you sell my stuff?" And oh, cool. That's kind of launched a whole new arm of our business that we're really focusing on this summer. Nice. So, yeah. So you've got another auction coming up about the third week of July, the 20th to the 30th, if I'm, if I'm correct. Uh, what are you selling? Is it just one collection? And what are the items that are in it? Yeah, it's, in a, it's actually a few uh, collections bundled together, but they, they, they kind of... Uh, feel like they're similar content. So I'm, I couldn't be more excited about how this is coming together. So um, what a, the one collection is a, it's an older gentleman. Uh, he's a dentist down in Southern California who is 80 years old and still goes to punk shows. Uh, I asked <laughs> nice. him when down there, it's like, when's the last time, Joe, when was the last time you were at a punk show? And he goes, last week. And he shows up. And he's, he's, and he's been into it since he was a, a kid. So he's a surfer, punk, and and then ultimately a dentist. So he was into Ferraris and Maseratis, and he is obsessive about collecting. So he collected models. He was really obsessed with Gilles Villeneuve. So he's got about 50 models of Gilles Villeneuve cars and Formula One cars and posters and he has an autographed um, program when he met Gilles uh, at an event because he was really inside of the Ferrari world. So he's got a really cool collection of a variety of stuff. Plus he uh, is going to be selling an engine from a, a V8 engine from a Maserati Indy. Wow. And he has asked us to represent his actual 1972 Maserati Indy in the auction. So we're going to be selling a, a sports car in, in the auction as well. So, and there's some parts and different things. So, um, you know, it, I, I, I really like the idea of selling someone's complete lifetime collection because, you know, it makes sense. Yeah. If someone else can relate to that person through their stuff, then they're going to be really into that auction. It might may not be something for everybody, but for the people who get that guy, they're going to really be into his stuff. And and that is going to be really fun to watch, you know, kind of get the word out on. Then we have another fella who is also a very, very uh, big uh, Ferrari collector. And he, uh, over the years, has collected driving suits from Formula One drivers and Indy cars and sports cars. He has memorabilia. He has a wheel from a Gilles Villeneuve Formula One car. He's got a crankshaft that I think was run in the Mila Miglia, so from a Ferrari, a, an actual, you know. So he's got just really cool artifacts from history, plus some trophies, and um, I don't even know all the stuff that he's going to be consigning to us. He's, I, I, talked to, I went to his house and visited him, and he was giving me the show, and then he goes, uh, my list is growing by the day. So, in fact, he was. it's looking like we're going to represent um, a Lola race car that he has. Wow. That uh, It's a rolling chassis. So, um, all sorts of, like, fun stuff. And there's things for people with bigger checkbooks, and there's people, there's things for 
people with smaller checkbooks. You people know? like us. <laughs> uh, I wasn't going to say, but, you know, there's a dollar bin for you all. But, uh, you know. <laughs> you know, there's three of us. We can get that together. <laughs> I'm bringing my rocker panels. Let's kick some yeah. ass. Yeah, and then, the, then I've got one other fella who's in the Midwest, and I'm not sure it's going to make it into this auction or not, so we'll we'll see if we can time it. But if it does, he's a... He's actually a mechanic, and he's got some stuff that, you know, he's worked on Alfa Romeo's and Porsches for decades, and he wants to get rid of shock tools and things that, for uh, someone who's building out a, a home garage or, ha- you know, wants to work on their cars or even someone who wants to become a mechanic, it would be a, a screaming deal to be able to get their hands on some of these things because they're really hard to get a hold of. Um, so, you know, it's... It's so much fun getting to meet people and hear their stories and then kind of live their stories through their collections. And I think that's what we want to bring to it is making this not just a bunch of items that are sitting out there, but it's like, here's this person and here's what they've accumulated over 40 or 50 years of their lifetime. And now they need to need it to find a new home. So here, here it is. Like, let's go, let's go for it. It sounds like you're moving tons of stuff. Isn't vetting all this stuff time consuming? It's it's a lot of work. I'm gonna tell you, it's a it's hustle culture for sure. But you know, I that's the kind of stuff I revel in. You know, you get, give me a big pile of stuff to sort through, and at first you get a little intimidated. But once you start getting into it, you just start sorting everything out, and you start getting it going. I spent the last three days literally building the lots for the first fellow I was talking about because we went to his home and photographed all of his items for him. So that that's one of the things that we do, or it's an option for us to do, is to come in and do it for the person. Because, you know, a lot of the a lot of these folks, they just don't have the time or inclination to go and list and do all this stuff for for themselves. But they're more than happy to have a trustworthy, you know, excited person come in and have them help out. So, do you do the photography for all of the lots that go through, or a majority of it? Yeah, it depends on the person. Um, I would say a majority, but some folks have that capability or their collections are, you know, not... Photography is important, but if you're doing some shop tools, for example, you know, laying them out correctly and all of that is nice, and that's probably sufficient. You don't need studio-quality stuff. But for some of these other things that I was talking about, like... um, books and models you really need very good lighting and close-ups and stuff for for folks to really have an idea of what they're um buying but you know it's it's a it's an awesome challenge it's so much fun and i i just love learning about all of these things and you know i'm a kid at heart too it's like having all these toy models and things like that to look at it's like if i had if i had space and money i'd probably just go buy all the stuff myself and keep it yeah, I have no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> Not a clue. So, w- what are your future plans no, for wait, the? Wait, wait, uh, hey Brett, uh, make sure you keep my number around for in about uh, twenty years. Uh-huh. Uh huh. You may want to just come here and start cataloging now. <laughs> yeah, let's do it. The, the library alone, I think, is approaching three hundred books. Oh yeah. So yeah. Uh, yeah, and they're all the big coffee table bludgeon kind of books. <laughs> Right. Well, let's let's get on it. No, in, in seri- you know, in all seriousness, like, that, I mean, what's going to happen with that stuff in the future? And you know, I don't know. I got two daughters who don't give a damn about any of Dad's car stuff, <laughs> exactly. and there's a lot of it. 
And fortunately, uh, with the motorcycle stuff, I also collect old Harleys. Uh, I've started giving away lots of the memorabilia because there's just so stinking much of it. And I, I, I have two nephews, or I have one uh, second cousin and one nephew that are both boys. And uh, one of them is already a car fiend, and I'm helping feed that. And uh, the other one is my brother's son, and he's only about five, but Uncle Brett gives him lots of good car stuff. So, nice. But we'll, it's like a great drug. Uh, yeah, yeah. Well, it, you, it, you know, you, what's the old joke about if you get the car, the kids hooked on cars now, they'll never have money to buy drugs? <laughs> do that <laughs> so uh what are your future plans for the growth in the auctions are you going to keep trying to make this bigger and better you know i would love to actually um it's a really i i honestly think there's a big need for something like this just as for the car hobby in general. I think that what we've built with the marketplace is something that's been very needed. And I think this also is very needed where someone can come and help keep these items and collectibles in circulation instead of them accidentally getting dumped or sent to Goodwill or something like that. It's like, so, you know, I'm anxious to get more and more uh, folks reaching out. And our goal is to do them not like eBay where there's just stuff that's going to auction or selling here and there and you can't keep track of it. We want to do them in in events. So mm-hmm. we're going to have an auction. It's a certain set amount of collections that is represented and it happens at this time and it ends on this date. And then, you know, as quickly as we can get another one put together, we'll do it. So our hope is to do... Um, one every two or three months would be the goal. And, you know, the, and I want them to be nice and curated and have the right quality so that people have a good experience and feel good about how we represent their items, but also the buyers can kind of get used to how we do things. And hopefully, you know, it, it sets us apart a little bit in the, in the world, because, you know, as far as I can tell, there's not very many places that handle these types of collections in the way that we handle them with the care that I think we give to them. So there's, there's gooding and there's, you know, bring a trailer sells a few um, parts and, and memorabilia every now and again, but it, you know, they turn away about probably 98% of the stuff that people reach out to them to sell. So, you know, I just think there's a lot, a lot that we can do and, and have a lot of fun with it. I admire that you haven't resorted to using the motto. We'll make their crap, your crap. (laughs) (laughs) so i understand we we do have that as our auction but it's in latin so nobody (laughs) oh you got uppity about it good man good man (laughs) google translate dude yeah there you go i I understand you've got a uh, maserati recreation you bought and showed a concorso italiano uh what is what is a maserati recreation what's it a recreation of yeah, well, it's. It, I didn't buy it. I actually helped make it happen. So um, there's a uh, a fellow. I was looking for kind of an older '50s Italian car, and I didn't have like a mega budget. I'm not, you know, killing it that big. So I was like, oh, I, you know, some one of those little like, Cetterini kind of things, you know, that. 
they ran around, open wheel kind of things. And I started looking around and I found one that looked interesting. And then when I read it a little further, it was a recreation of a car. And rather than reaching out to the dealer, it mentioned who the builder was. So I reached out to this fella and he's in Argentina and his name is Nestor Salerno. And Nestor um, is a very cool guy. I think he's 88 now. And he raced in the 50s with Sterling Moss. He raced with wow. Juan Manuel Fangio and, you know, Dan Gurney and just everybody, everybody that you can imagine, all the heroes of the day, he raced with them. And, you know, there's photographs of him and all this. And he actually raced for Fangio um, after he retired. He had a team. So I got talking to him and he goes, you know, that was, that's a good car. And I, it's a good quality car. Just be careful with that. But if you're interested, we could. I might be able to build you a car. What are you, what are you thinking? And so I said, tell me what you got. So he sent me some information. And over the course of months, we had a conversation. And I decided, I don't know, that seems like more car than I could ever buy. That's a real car. But for me, the car is more about the beauty and the experience of mm -hmm. it. And, um, you know, trusting this person who actually raced the car that I had built in the period and knows how it was built and has the exact factory plans and argentina is kind of where it's happening in the in the recreation world um it's like modena in the 1950s it's all these artisans hand beating aluminum panels and put, having bucks and things like that it's really really cool place so um i did a a, a car that's a maserati 300s body so it's an open top race car that raced in the mila Emilia, and um and i had it built to look like one that sterling moss raced in 1956 so in uh sterling won the mila Emilia in 1955 at the record speed in yeah. the in the mercedes-benz number 722 then the le mans tra tragedy happened immediately after that so yeah. mercedes was gone so sterling who had a relationship with Maserati, um, they invited him to race for them. So he and Dennis Jenkinson, who co-piloted with him or navigated for him in the 722, raced the Maserati the next year. So that's what my car looks like. Oh, uh, cool. Very cool. It's like, it's almost an exact uh, copy. And um, it's, it's really an awesome machine. I got it, and, you know, I'm still putzing with it. It's still not fully, like, up to where I need it to be to, like, really take it on long drives. But we're getting it in shape and working on it and just getting it tuned in. I mean, part of the deal is I'm a six – I'm an over six-foot-tall guy, and trying to drive one of these cars that's made for somebody who's the size of a jockey takes some tinkering and fitting and that sort of stuff. And, you know, back then they didn't have seatbelts, and so the car doesn't have seatbelts. So well, when you drive it around, the pucker factor is high. Well, it, you high. know, <laughs> the, car, the two cars that I have now, because I pared down on my collection, I've got a 60 Corvette and a 65 Corvette, and they both have lap belts in them. And I'm fond of telling my wife, that's not going to save you. <laughs> that's that's not going to save your life. That's going to help a puking fireman find a corpse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. That's okay. all that's for. So uh, it, it wouldn't it wouldn't save you anyhow. You don't really need it. <laughs> so it's a, it's an awesome machine. I you know for me what I love about it is those cars are so rare and precious that they rarely are seen outside of a museum or or a very 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 high end event like a Goodwood. Yeah. So. 
able to take this car out and show it at Concorso like I did last year, every eight-year-old kid that came by, I put him in the driver's seat and put a driver's helmet That's on. That's what you do to him. That'll get him. And, you know, it, anybody who is, you know, smaller than shoulder height got the got the royal treatment. I didn't let any adults in it, but I let every <laughs> single kid who came by sit in the car because I want this car is a piece of art. It is one of the most beautiful cars that's ever been designed in in all of history. And and you need to see it. You need to see it out. You need to see it driving and dynamic and hear it. Um, I gave a ride to uh, Brett and you know Rory Jernica probably. Yeah, I, I do. Yeah, so Rory uh, is an auto journalist. He's been around for many, many years, and he's driven lots of cars. I took him for a ride, and, and he goes, I've never been in anything so raw and visceral as this, you know, and it's like, and he's gotten to drive original GT40s as part of his job, and it's like, this thing is insane. Yep. So I'm really excited to get it out and to be ripping around in it, but I will drive it, you know, drive it at nine-tenths. No, I'll drive it at four-tenths. Yeah. Really happy. <laughs> well. Because nine-tenths eventually will lead you to find out where the line is and if you've stepped over it. <laughs> and there are some cars you can do that with, and there are other cars you can't because they want you yeah. dead. <laughs> so. This car purposely doesn't have a roll cage or any safety structure, so it's nice. if, something goes, if something doesn't go right, it's going to go really unright. Real. <laughs> well, at least you won't live to see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no exactly. regret. <laughs> I just put a, a little dagger, you know, in the middle of the steering wheel. It's just like, just go fast. There you go. Well, and to, to that end, last time you were on, we asked you what was the dumbest thing you've ever done in a car. What's the dumbest thing you've done in a car this year? <laughs> well, since I last talked to you, it was drive that car. Yeah. <laughs> and I, and I, I never went anywhere close to the line, but I have to tell you, like, you drive that car around, and it is bright red, mm -hmm. like it is sex on wheels. It is the hottest looking car you've ever seen in your life. Yet, every Karen in a minivan apparently can't see it. Like they've got some sort of. Like, I'm, I'm I, just can, I can tell you why. <laughs> I can t I can absolutely tell you why. It's the thing that's made me consider not riding Harleys anymore, and it's because everybody in a car is on the phone, texting, playing a game, eating, drinking, smoking, picking their nose, practicing witchcraft, doing everything <laughs> but driving. Truth. And it's the thing that, that really scares me about riding now. And I've been riding motorcycles for almost my entire life uh, mm -hmm. since I was around 10 or 11 years old. And I'm in my early 50s now. That's a long time on two wheels. And I've, I'm just now getting to the point where I look around and I think, I don't want to be around you anymore, and I don't want to take the chance that you're going to do something dumb and run me over. And I, I've had one bad street bike crash in my life where I broke a bunch of bones, and I don't want to do it again, and I don't like being inside ambulances strapped to a board, and I don't like the jerkweed driving it listening to country music. <laughs> now, now being tied down to a board with that chick from uh, Craigslist? Uh-huh. Urban story. <laughs> While I'm yeah. welding in the background. Yeah, the, the petite submissive with the thick ankles and the, and the water pump for a they Ford call Anglia. Him Jimmy Dangerous. <laughs> My name's Sheila. 
But yeah, totally understandable, man, because uh, it's interesting driving out there sometimes. People well, are, and you've been on a bike just for the last few years, and yeah. you know what I'm talking about, yeah. man, because people do dumb stuff all they're, the time. And it's only because no they're warning. not paying attention. Yeah. Yeah. Happens well, all the time. It, Bless their hearts. I, I have a, I, outside of cars, I, I ride bicycles, and I ride competitively. I race bicycles. That's my... I wouldn't hobby. have... I would have never guessed with those two bikes behind you. <laughs> uh, 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 whoops. <laughs> Oh, did you see those? <laughs> well, and I have to tell you, uh, you know, to, just to echo what you were saying, it's like the last, you know, whatever, five, eight years or whatever, it's just gotten worse and worse and worse. It, there is not a time when I go out riding now where someone doesn't do something aggressive towards me on purpose. You know, it's like honk or swerve or roll coal. That's a fun one. Oh, <laughs> it, yeah. <laughs> So anyhow, if you roll coal, think twice, you know. Yeah, sometimes <laughs> we're armed. Listen, just because you want to show off doesn't mean it's worth me going through chemo. <laughs> exactly, exactly, exactly. You try and hold your breath for as long as you can until the cloud Probably passes. tough to do when you're pedaling. Yeah, it is, but I, you do it. You get, you have to because, oh, man, God. if you, you suck that in, you bad things are going to happen, like you were saying. Yeah, well, you've seen what happened to those turn-of-the-century kids who all worked in coal mine, slave labor, yeah. and stuff like that. Oh exactly, exactly. They're just I like black riders. <laughs> you don't I even smoke. How are you a black lunger? I, I, uh, I, I have many, many relatives who died of black lung, for sure. Oh, boy. Uh, I've got a couple who died from... And to end on an up note. Uh, yeah nice good touch chris good touch all right we've been speaking with chris bright at the way to that really was the end of it way, way to way to put a bat shoot on the interview chris my work here is done uh, this will be the first time we've had an interview on black lung and scene scene uh, grandpa, we've grandpa been can you hear me oh, the light is so dim <laughs> Why, why are you still coughing? <laughs> uh, just wheel out the iron lung, throw him back in there. Uh, We've been uh, speaking with Chris Bright of Collector Part Exchange, that ray of sunshine that he is. <laughs> you can find all the social media links to Chris Bright, CPX, and Black Lung on readthedriven.com. Chris, thank you so much for being with us yet again. You're always welcome here. Absolutely. <laughs> Please have me back. I, I, I'll come on every week if you do. <laughs> and just walk into the light. <laughs> <laughs> no, Carol Ann. <laughs> thank you so much for spending time with Driven Radio. We love what we do, and we wouldn't be able to do it with it. Are you okay? Are you going to be okay? <laughs> I can't believe we ended up black lung. Yeah. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> What hurts worse is that I'm still laughing about it. It wasn't the black lung that was funny. It was just the fact of it. Holy cow. Hey, uh, How did we work black lung into we a really, conversation? We really do appreciate you listening, Jesus. and we're more than a little surprised. All right? And apologetic. We wouldn't be able to do this without the support of our listeners. We are just shocked that you keep tuning in. We put the grin and chagrin. <laughs> we put the fun and dysfunctional. That's what we're saying. You can find us online at DrivenRadioShow.com and ReadTheDriven.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, 
at Driven Radio Show. Listen everywhere, find podcasts or heard, and probably find us in your local asylum here pretty quick. <laughs> Listen to us on, on gonna, the intercom down gonna in Gonna be wearing a robe and some slippers. <laughs> I am Brett Hatfield for Corey Pratt. Yep. And Mark Groves. Yo. I'm glad you got yourself under control there, dude. Thank you for listening, and we'll see you next time here on Driven Radio. Thank you.